Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs, with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Katya Kashi, a senior technical recruiter, a marathon runner, and a loving mother. Born and raised in Ukraine, she has made Tel Aviv her home for the past 12 years. Katya has discovered her true passion in the world of recruitment, especially in tech, where she excels as connecting talent individuals with amazing opportunities. With an unwavering dedication to her craft, she has found her stride in this fast-paced industry. Welcome to How We Hire, Katya. Hi. (laughs) So nice to have you. We're obviously going to nerd out in recruitment in today's episode, but we're going to have the overarching focus of the best practices in sourcing global talent, a topic that I think a lot of companies are from time to time struggling with. But before we jump into that, what inspired you to pursue a career in recruitment? Being honest, I always was helping my friends to find job especially all like friends that were coming, moving from Ukraine to Israel. And I was connecting them with other people. Meanwhile, I was doing something else. I was working, (laughs) uh, doing something else. And I really, really loved to get the happy feedback and to see how people are working at the places that I was sure that really good fit for them. But I was never thinking to this direction. After a while, I had like kind of a crisis where I had to rethink what is my future, what I want to do when I will grow up. It was at the age around 28, I think. I think this was one of the ideas that I really love to match people with uh, their careers and to see how this puzzle is becoming a picture. So I think this is uh, the main reason why I came to the world of recruiting. So you already did it and it turned it into a profession, decided to make some money out of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's so smart. Katja, can't you just share like your overall perspective on like the significance of sourcing global talent in today's like interconnected world? It's one of the main beauty uh, nowadays with all the crises that is uh, happening that our talents are really moving across the world, trying to find their place to work. And when we're sourcing globally, we're finding people with the background of living in few countries before they are going back home. Really now it's like one of the best times to start to hire globally also because we had like a kind of uh, try to work remotely during uh, Corona year. And now we see that it really works for a lot of companies, for a lot of companies who made it smart. (laughs) So now it's really, really great time to continue developing it. I really believe that and I hope that companies will stick to it and not go back because we see already that a lot of companies trying to get back their people to the office. And I really think that it's one of the biggest mistakes. So I really believe that our podcast, that like our talk will help help companies to not to be afraid to hire people remote, not to be afraid to build sites in other countries, because there are really a lot of great talents all over the world. And it's very cool to also to learn a little bit about other cultures. It's making companies, I think, uh, uh, company pictures is like richer and better. I think it's fascinating how accepted it has become to hire globally after the pandemic. Because I guess it was a thing before that, but now it's something that everyone, I mean, at first had to engage with almost. 
because so many companies were hiring, there was lack of talent out there. And all of a sudden, their possibility to actually find talent elsewhere was so much easier. What you said here that you see organizations moving back to having people in the office, not do global global hiring as much. Like, why do you think that is? I think this is the problem of uh, control. The managers want to control their employees. And I think this is the problem of bad leaders when they cannot really trust their employees. And also the, the problem of uh, of the recruiting where they hiring recruiters who are not able to hire a really good fit and really talents that are can do the, the job. So first managers are not trusting recruiters and after, because they don't trust recruiters, they don't trust their employees in the end. So I think this is like the, the main problem in the management. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what's very human that we tend to get along with people that are very similar to us. We tend to understand them better. And then are kind of like subjectivity and prejudice kind of kicks in when we interact with people that are different from different cultures. Uh, and I guess it makes it harder to make it work. Because I think that's, I mean, to your point, it's about trust and, and management. And it is a fantastic opportunity. And when it works, I think it probably works way better than just having people from your own home market. But it also, you know, puts a lot of demands on the organization and the manager. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that this is one of the biggest mistakes when we want to hire someone who is similar to us. Because in my opinion, it's better to hire someone who is stronger in things that we are weak. We need someone who will benefit us. And managers need not to be afraid to work with someone who can be better than, than them. This is another thing that I'm always trying to explain to hiring managers that Hiring manager doesn't need to be the best. Hiring manager doesn't need to be the best at work that like he does. He needs to be a good leader. He needs to be a person who can make an environment for people to grow and develop. And it's not always mean that he's like the best programmer or he's, I don't know, the best data scientist. It's not. <laughs> no, for sure. I remember talking to one of in like the top management in a scale up where his outspoken target was to hire someone that made more money than him <laughs> simply because like he wanted to hire someone that would be better than him and that that was like his pure like the only target that he had for for that period and i thought that was just an interesting way to phrase it because it boils it down to what <laughs> sometimes what it's all about but okay, can't you just i mean you've been working a lot with global sourcing and and hiring globally can't you just um, elaborate a little bit on like interesting insights, trends, like what have you observed in this now global talent market? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think it's important to say that there is uh, two ways to hire globally. First is to hire employees as a contractors. And second, I like to open a site to have an office, physical or not physical, but like to make it like, so there is like two legal ways to do it. And the company should decide what is better for them, what is, brings them better outcome. So the biggest trend that I see now, I was lately hiring for the market like Taiwan and Nepal. And I can tell you that I see a lot of uh, migrations because due to the all the layoffs that were happening in the United States, I can see a lot of talents that are moving from United States to Taiwan back. And it's an amazing fact because before hiring in Taiwan was a challenge because they were looking for opportunities uh, with relocation. They all wanted to move to United States or to Europe. 
And now they are moving back because there is much more jobs opening in Taiwan. A lot of companies are moving there because a lot of reasons, economical, their talent reason. So I see a, a lot of them moving. Uh, also, I see a lot of companies are opening their offices in Nepal lately. It's still like the talent market there is a bit tight, but it's still pretty cool place to use the language. They all speak, most of them speak really great English. The culture, they all very open and nice people. They really, really kind. And it's like a huge pleasure to work with them. They kind of like, they differ. It's still different mentality and everything, but they're very, in communication, you can feel that you're communicating with a European person. So for companies that are in Europe, for them, probably it's, this market will be very interesting due to the communication that will be very easy. But again, there is a problem that they are still want to relocate. <laughs> so mm. people need to keep in mind that uh, a lot of, this is also a cultural thing. They all want to move out. So it's very important to remember that if you're hiring someone, there is a big chance that if in one year, some company will come and promise him relocation, this person will leave the position. So there is a lot of things that they need to consider. And always I'm, I'm advising before you're entering any market, need to do research, you need to understand what is their job culture there? What are the culture in general there? Which language people feel really free to talk? So it's like there is a deep research that needs to be done. If you are planning to open a site globally in some countries, the best is like to start hiring with a human resource manager, in my opinion. <laughs> this should be the first hire in the site. And then like a deep discussion and a deep understanding about the culture of people in the country. Mm. I have a follow-up question. Because I mean, you started saying like you can either, you know, open up a site so you have a legal entity in that country or you can, I mean, I guess use, you know, employer of records and stuff like that. What? upsides, pitfalls with those two options? What would you say? Like, wh why go with one before the other? It depends on the amount of employees. It's like, it really depends on the company goals. Depends on the amount of employees that is needed. It depends. Also, like, it's important to understand that it's a kind of remote job, but it's not a remote job. It means that if you're opening an entity in a specific country, the person can work from home, person can travel and work from somewhere else, but this person cannot move to another country because you having an agreement with the government that you are paying uh, paying taxes for this person in this specific country. So if the company wants to give all the benefits that country can also provide based on the taxes that company is paying, so this is the way to opening a site. If you're planning to hire a lot of employees, if you're planning to treat them well, so you should go with opening a site. There is some companies who are need one, two, three programmers. So probably if it's like really a small amount of employees, so to hire people as the contractors, this is the only way they can do because they will not be able to open an entity. But in this case, they're really doing like a kind of a remote employees because they're just paying specific amount and employees can travel and pay the taxes by themselves deducted from from their salary um so it's like this really remote employees so because they can work from any country mm, mm. and i mean like just linking it to how we've done it at alva i mean we have both alternatives we opened up the legal entity in the uk because we knew that that is a market that where we want to go in and we want to have employees in the uk so there we went with like a legal entity because we had you know tied to the business plans etc but then we've also, I mean, we have 
a few employees that are, uh, I mean, we have in, in Portugal, we have in Spain, in, let's see, France, and maybe I'm missing some countries. So let's not say that that's the entire list, but those three isn't what comes to mind. But we have, oh yeah, Prague. Based on that, though, that's where we found fantastic talent. Like we were very open to hire from wherever. And we ended up getting applicants from different countries. And then we just kind of like, we hey, we know we want this candidate and we wanted to solve for it in a legal way. So for us, we've gone with both approaches. And the overall, I guess, strategy has really been like, we want the right person for the job, regardless of where that person is located. Uh, so I, I think that makes sense. The second follow-up question I had on these like trends, you say that you need to really like do your research and understand the market. Like how does one get started? If like this is the first time I'm going to do global hiring, I'm going to investigate a country. How would you go about doing that type of research? First of all, you're thinking about which position you want to hire in this country, making a list and stack of technologies or uh, skills that you need. I'm doing quick research in LinkedIn to see if there is a market for this position, to see if there is a, a reason to, to really search for talents there. After I started to go to Facebook groups, professional groups, and to see how people communicate there, how they post jobs, how they looking for jobs. I'm trying also to communicate with some of their human resource specialists there. I'm adding them on LinkedIn asking, like introducing myself, asking some questions. Some of them are really open and sharing the information because this is what else I would, I do myself. Some of the recruiters from Europe came to my LinkedIn not long time ago and just asked if I think it's a good opinion to open like a hiring company in Israel, on my opinion. And I was happy to share my experience and my background. So this is what also I do when I do some market research. So this is like a short instruction I'm always like trying to follow up these steps. And after, if I see that there is a reason, there is like a talent pool, there is an understanding between me and few human resource employees in the country, see if there is a reason to start to go deeper. So it sounds like there's a lot of like thought behind. It's not just like, oh, let's go hunt some people down. What would you say are like the key factors to have a successful like sourcing strategy when it comes to global talent? Oh, sourcing strategy is something that I really like. A lot of recruiters prefer to like think the sourcing strategy is something that you're opening a <laughs> LinkedIn recruiter, you add job title or some do Boolean search, and this is the, the strategy. It's rarely bringing me at least to a good place. So if, for example, let's say I need to hire data scientists in Taiwan, and I know that the market is very bad, I'm trying to think out of the box and think where I can find this talent. I'm having a stack of languages that they need to know and other skills that they need to have. So instead, first of all, like I'm talking to the hiring manager, what is must and what is nice to have. Nice to have, I'm always put put on the side because if I know that the, the, there is not a lot of uh, not a lot of people with this job description, not a lot of people who has having an understanding of what is really data scientist. So I put it aside, and I try to do a search and to see what is happening uh, on the market. And after I'm communicating with few people, only after I can build a strategy. So for example, as I said, like with data scientists, like I saw that the market is very tight in Taiwan, but 
based on the people that were appearing in the search. Some of them were from the United States, but originally in Taiwan. Some I started to get some uh, CVs that were from people who are based in the United States, but again, originally from Taiwan. So I started to figure out, ah, there is a kind of a migration. So I started to do the sourcing. I built my sourcing strategy based on people who are studied in Taiwanese universities or were born in Taiwan, but now working in the United States in big companies that had uh, layoffs. So I knew that this way, my chances to get to people who are interested to get job are much higher. And then like we hired the person, we closed this position and it was like someone from United States who (laughs) wanted to move back to Taiwan. And it's like always like this, if you having also, there is like important also to build the strategy business, uh, sorry, sourcing strategies when you are hiring for management positions, because it's usually these people are hard to get. And if you, I'm always like trying to advise junior recruiters to think out of the box. If you hire, like if you need to hire manager who has one or two years management experience, so maybe, and you cannot hire for a long time, maybe it's worse to talk to hiring manager and offer to look for senior developers uh, who has some experience in management in the past, but not on their tech positions. For example, in Israel, I'm always was going to search for people who were managing uh, units in the army, but didn't manage at workplace and was offering their management position because they knew that in the army, they were able to manage people. So they're definitely like leading people. So they were definitely able to uh, adjust this to the workplace. So all kind of these thoughts it's kind of like to be a little bit detective, I think. It, it sounds like when you put that in like a global perspective, it's not just understanding the market that you're hiring for and the company and the role. It's also about like understanding macro factors, like wh- what's happening in like the economy or in these countries and like make the best of, of those insights. Yeah, it's always like important to stay up to date on the news and to see what's happening globally, to be really interested in it. The same like when the war happened in Ukraine, I was at this moment hiring for Dropbox and we came up uh, with the idea to open a site in Poland because there was a lot of talents who moved from Ukraine to Poland. And we had like a chance to build a site there because the market was very tight then in Israel and they couldn't find any developers who were skilled enough for the position that they wanted to hire. And in the end, like they ended up in opening a site in Poland and closing the site in Israel because they felt like this market is much better for them. So yeah, always updates, always news. It's very important. That's why I think LinkedIn, it's also nice to follow right people on LinkedIn who is giving you good insights, the global situation, not only connected to recruiting, but in January, people who are producing really good information. And it sounds like you have been hiring for a bunch of different markets. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered when it comes to like, you know, different countries, different regions, and how do you overcome them? Yeah, there is a lot of challenges in uh, every region. For example, in Taiwan, they can tell you yes on any question because it's not polite to say no there. And after the interview, you can get like an email where they're telling you that they're not accepting half of what you what you said and they're not satisfied with a lot of things because it's just not polite to say on the face. Mm. Uh, no. Uh, and like it takes time until you really understand them, until you understand what is the culture, what is standing behind their behavior. For example, in Nepal, they all discussing their salaries with everyone. You're hiring five people and they will all discuss 
how much they get an offer. And if they want to leave, go to another company, they will tell everyone how much they get offered from the from the another company. So if you're like talking about Taiwan, this is the place where you need to know the culture, to learn the culture. I was watching a bit of movies, just like regular movies that they're making, some TV shows to understand really what is standing behind uh, some of their conversations with them. In Nepal, I came up with the idea that we need to do leveling uh, for all engineers as we have in other countries in order to have same salaries based on level. So they can discuss it, but we are staying the same. <laughs> it means like, like we are very transparent. In general, I think that uh, transparency is the key to make employees and to keep them happy. But not a lot of companies and countries are close to this situation. So there is some countries where you have no choice and you need to make it transparent. So you will keep your employees and you will keep the healthy atmosphere. But it's always like we're always learning from mistakes. There is no way, especially in the new companies and the new sites, you always need to do mistake in order to understand how to fix it and how to make it better. How do you make sure to draw concrete learnings from those mistakes? Usually, uh, first of all, like I'm, you need to accept and to say, yeah, it was a mistake. We did a mistake. This is the first step. <laughs> Without it, nothing happened and nothing will change. And after I'm usually writing the problem and understanding, like writing the ways we can solve it and discussing it with uh, teammates, discussing it with uh, people who are living in these countries. Like, as I said, that this is the reason to hire a human resource manager first. I'm always coming with this problem to the human resource manager and I'm asking what is on your opinion can help us to solve this problem and see after we're giving usually one, two, three months test to our solution and see if it works. And if it's not, it's also very important to say, okay, it didn't work. We need to find another solution. And it's okay like to make mistakes. It's very important to say also to all recruiters and to all people who are going to interviews to make mistakes is okay, even on the interview. <laughs> It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, to be sure. I think one of the main reasons for why or how we have improved our recruitment process is that we do hiring retros after each process where we go over like what worked really well, what didn't work, what ideas we have for improvement, and then what actions we can draw from that. And just like stating from the beginning that there will be great things and there will be mistakes makes it a lot easier to then discuss them because you're assuming and you're expecting that there will be both both good sides and bad sides. I think that's the key part of how we have evolved as a like hiring uh, employer uh, over time. So I think that's uh, really, really important. And I mean, especially as you mentioned, when you encounter so many different different challenges and not just the same ones over and over again. I mean, you, you mentioned that you use like LinkedIn but what like alternative methods, channels have you found effective? I'm always like, one of my favorite things to say to all recruiters is that you always need to be open. You can hire people everywhere. Yeah. Once I had like a story that I hired someone through Twitter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, this is also a channel. Like I'm, I'm using Twitter to stay up to date to news. This is actually one of the best uh, places. I think it's short, straight to the point. I just need to follow right people. And once I had like a kind of a threat with one of the developers who were <laughs> not happy about what's going on on the market. And we discussed it a little bit and then we took it to LinkedIn. And from there, he came to the interview and really was a great hire. So there is a lot of resources and each country has their own social media and social networks that are stronger in any specific country. So I would say that 
for sure GitHub and all these kind of platforms for technical people, it's like also can be very useful. But we always need to think about communities because this is the main source and this is the best source because there we can see people are together and they're less afraid to be open and to show their talents. So I like to go, if, for example, we're talking about Taiwan. Taiwan actually has been a really strong communities on Facebook for the technical specialists. It's nice before you're starting to post their jobs, for sure, to communicate a little bit with people, to see how other recruiters, locals are posting their jobs, to communicate with them and ask what is the best thing to do. Sometimes in some countries, they will accept only uh, if you're uh, posting jobs on their own language. But most of the, like, it's very, uh, like, I, I know that there's few countries that are still following this rule. Like, for example, in China, it's very hard to find someone who will be an English speaker or to find any kind of community because the country is very close. But in Taiwan, it's not a problem. Even if you're posting in English, it looks more professional for them. They really prefer to work in the company that is international. So it's totally fine. I think also there is some social medias that can go stronger. I, I, I know that it depends as well which kind of specialist you're looking for. And if you're looking for someone junior and very young, TikTok works also amazing in Taiwan. I know that it sounds strange, but it really works great. The generation Z is really finding jobs through TikTok. They, I think that they're doing everything, that even studying in the universities through TikTok <laughs> there. <laughs> so just to stay open, to communicate more, to engage more with people and not only like directly, I'm looking for, <laughs> for this and this position, let's talk. Well, it's better to start the communication, start a small talk, go to local job boards, some countries are old school, not all of them using LinkedIn. And being honest, again, I'm talking a lot about Taiwan, but just they have so many differences compared to other markets. It's very easy to use them. There is not a lot of people on LinkedIn in Taiwan. It's kind of like a monopoly. There is few companies that are, did very smart thing and just stole the market uh, from LinkedIn. They open a platform where people can register and it's making their CV with a nice template but also saving their CV for their own CRM. So they're offering other companies to pay monthly specific amount and to use like to search in their CRM employees. So I also had like a lot of meetings with this kind of agencies to see, to understand what they're talking, to ask these agencies, even if you're not planning to, to hire through, managers, man, uh, through agencies, to ask them questions, what are the top companies in Taiwan? Not only global companies, you also want to know what are local technical companies, like what are the big thing there. And this is the information that you can get only from locals. So my advice is always to go to locals, to communicate with them, to give them some information that you have so that they can use for their needs and to get the information that you need. And what could that type of information be? What can you share that they want? Um, usually sharing the information about the company, what I'm hiring for, what our interest, which which job recs we have open, what it gives them, it's giving them the education, their information of the needs of other companies globally, so they can approach other companies based on our needs. And they really love this and they need this information. They're not afraid to waste one hour of, uh, of their time for this meeting to understand what our global companies are looking in their market. And I'm not hiding this information. I'm telling them 
and telling them there are possible plans in the country. And on the back, we're getting like mostly from all the companies, all these meetings with the agencies. I get a list of their biggest companies, a list of their most common talents there. Because, for example, it's very hard to hire 3D programmer in Taiwan because the gaming industry is not popular there. And you always need to think, okay, where I can find... 3D if like if the gaming industry is not good there. So you need to think about other sites and they're giving this information to you that we don't have, for example, the gaming business is not allowed in Taiwan. So we don't have a need of this kind of engineers. So you, from this information, you understand that you don't need to, to search it to waste your time. So it sounds like a lot to just, I mean, be where people are, which sounds obvious, but I think it's so easy to just assume that all talent is on LinkedIn, but also it sounds like really getting under the skin of where the like talent communities are in those countries that you're sourcing for. Yeah. Okay. So when like sourcing talent globally, what adaptions, modifications do you recommend like in terms of the actual recruitment process, especially to accommodate different culture backgrounds? Each country having their own own processes but i think it's also very important even while adapting the hiring process to the country to still stay uh true for the company and for the hiring process that you have and not to give up on a lot of things that is important for your company due to the cultural differences i would suggest always do some quick research what are the processes are looking in global companies in this country when you're building a recruiting pro- hiring process in any site, it's very important first to really answer on the questions. What do you need to know in order to be sure that it's a perfect candidate? And when you're answering on this question, then you can build the hiring process. You need to check some technical skills always, and you need to check a cultural fit. Don't like how it sounds, but and which data you need to know to, to have in order to make a decision for this. So after you having these answers, you can build the hiring process. And even I know that in some countries, for example, in Nepal, it's not typical to have an HR interview. They think that HR interview is a kind of an offer call. So they always were surprised when we were having like 50 minutes questions, uh, uh, like a discussions and where I was always telling you, this is the place for you to ask questions. I'm happy to give you the whole information. They usually they didn't have any questions because they just wanted to get a job. This was the moment when I was starting to educate them that it's very important to understand what we are offering. It's very important to understand it if it fits you. And they, with time, I saw that it, other companies also started to implement it there and people started to accept it and behave differently. And being honest that there is were few times in my experience that we didn't hire uh, professionals due to strong no from the HR interviews based on the behavior of the person in the past, like when you're asking questions, behavioral questions. So building the the process, as I said before, important to understand which skills you need and which personality you're looking for, the specific positions, the specific department, the specific manager. And when you're answering on these questions, you can build uh, the interview process. And also before, just always recommend to do quick market research, what other companies are doing. So you will be kind of in line with them so people won't be shocked but the main idea is to always to stay true to your process what works for you best for your company what changes have you made based on the need of that specific market do you have any examples as i said before in nepal we added a human resource interview that they never had before because for us important to understand how long we can keep the talent 
to make sure that the talent is not planning to jump <laughs> very quickly. And this is something that you can get during the communication, during the questions, why the person left the previous jobs and to really deep understanding what is standing behind these decisions. I would say that in Taiwan market, we try to make the process shorter because we saw that a lot of companies are entering the market and to have three weeks interview process was already not a good idea because we were losing talents. Mm. This is always the case for strong talents. The process is long. There is a very big uh, possibility that you will, this person will just jump to another company who will more who, who has the process like shorter and more efficient. When you need to make it more efficient, what is it that you cut first? I think that this is like just the amount of interviews, the amount yeah. of that the person meets. Uh, I think that if you need five technical or even three technical rounds, I think this is the problem in your interview process, on my opinion. Mm. I think three plus technical rounds, it's already too much. You cannot check. There is always, you can check technical skills of the person, I think, in two rounds of the interviews for any position. If it's a management position, if it's a senior position, maybe for junior, you need even less. <laughs> you want rounds. So if you need like so many rounds of interviews in order to understand if it's the right talent, so probably you don't need, you don't know who is the right talent. Mm, exactly. Or you're not asking the right questions, I guess. But that's, uh... so now when we're discussing how to adapt your process and we're discussing sourcing, even if this might not fit into the whole global perspective, but I've always been interested in when you source someone versus like a candidate that applies, how is it okay to treat those differently? And if so, how? I'm not a fan to treat people differently based on if I source them or if they applied. I think recruiters are giving a service. We're service employees. We are giving a service to candidates. We are giving service to hiring manager. And it's not that we're making a, an effort to, if we're sourcing person, so he's a better talent or if he applied by himself. I think it's very important to understand that each talent who is applying is a talent and we need to provide service and service should be the best. I'm always like prefer even to work on the side of the wow service, give feedback after the interview the feedback that will help the candidate to improve something, not the feedback about cultural fit. Sorry, you're not a cultural fit because I don't know. And there is a few reasons, but to give the, the feedback that candidate will be able to use to improve something in the future. And my main idea in communication with candidates is that even if in two years, this candidate will go, I don't know, to work in another company will gain the relevant experience and I will need to hire this talent in the future. I want to stay in contact with this candidate. The way that if I will text him, he will say, oh, wow, it was amazing experience. Thank you. Yes, I want to go through this through the process with you because it was nice. So for me, like recruiting is kind of like giving a service of business class in a flight <laughs> that people want to do it again. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way to put it. And I think like even more specific for my question, I think one thing that we have discussed a lot internally is when, because I mean, in, in our all our processes, the uh, like Alva assessments is the first step. So all candidates will do the personality and the logic uh, ability test. And sometimes when we've sourced someone, you know, you obviously can't assess if they have the right personality fit. Um, so sometimes there's been sourced candidates that don't really match the job when it comes to the assessments. And then the discussion has been around like, should we still 
have an interview, even if like if this wasn't a candidate that applied, we probably wouldn't proceed with them. But since we reached out and then sent the test, it's just rude to not take the interview, even if it's like to some extent wasting everyone's time. I think it's hard to like, how okay is it to say, hey, I want you, but then like, no, wait, I don't. Like, what's your thoughts on it? I think it's okay not to move forward with the candidate because it's not kind of, hey, I want you. It's kind of, I think that you can fit to this position. So do you want to check it? Are you also interested? It's not that you are making the person like, you know, to go through the assessment without the person wanting this. He also mm. interesting in this position. And it's kind of like opportunity for both, for you to hire the person and for him to be hired in a great place. So I wouldn't feel bad to say like, sorry, you had an assessment and we don't want to move forward with you because you ABC mm. to give the explanation to the person for sure. And I wouldn't feel bad for it because it's not that when we're reaching to people, we're not really wasting their time. If they don't want, they don't answer. And I guess that, that someone is not interesting to apply or to try they will never answer to you. So. Mm. It's fair. It's all about how like setting the right expectations from the start yeah. uh, of when le- reaching out to a candidate. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So we've now talked about like, you know, sourcing strategy and how countries can differ. And then like how your actual like recruitment process, like should it be tweaked or not? Should we just quickly dive into what's your best practice recruitment process? Like what are the stages in, in that one? Yeah, Sure. It depends on the position, but let's say like, let's talk about technical uh, positions. I would say phone screen, technical round, meeting with a hiring manager, HR interview. Mm. It's amazing to have like, I didn't have a chance to work with the companies that are working with Alva Labs. Yet. (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I really uh, think that it's great to have uh, a database decision if you want to move with the person in the process or not. I would add this assessment after the phone screen and then like to move to the technical round with one of the developers, not only to check the technical skills, but also to check how this person can communicate with one of the developers in the team after the meeting with a hiring manager that will be less technical and more talking about the perspective of jobs. Also, like this meeting is important, not only to check if the person will fit to the team, but also to see if we can, like the expectation from his side is also can be satisfied by the company. And like to have like also human resource interview, which will also give more answers to the candidate and more uh, instruments if we will move to an offer to understand if the person wants to work in this company. Because for example, Some people are looking for companies that are doing parties, that are inviting singers and everything. And if you work in the company that is having another benefits, but not this, it's very important to market and to be open during the human resource interview and to say about it. Because after in, in one year or in six months, this person can go to another company just because he expected something else. Mm. So it sounds like the HR interview at the end is not necessarily about like assessing the candidate, but rather just providing information, making sure that they their answers are, or sorry, their questions are answered. Yeah, this is also a big part for me for the human resource interview to have like a match of the expectation also from our side and also from the, from the candidate side. Mm. Just double clicking on the phone screen. What's your like, top questions to ask in one of those? Like what is it that you focus on in a successful phone screen interview? First of all, for me, it's important to to understand that the person is communicating skills are good, that the person can 
walk me through his CV because of course I have the CV and I see it. Just important to see that this person are uh, 100% sure that what he wrote in CV is true. Uh, I had some uh, situation where a person was not able to explain uh, his work experience. So first, I'm checking the communication skills. Second, for me, it's important to understand the motivation of the person who started to look for work. Basically, this is the main thing that I'm trying to understand and also to explain about the position. For me, the main idea of the phone screen interview is to give the person information about the, the company and about the position, to tell what is the process look like. And to understand if this person really uh, stands behind what's written on the CV, if this person really wants to enter the process, basically, this is the main idea. It depends on, mm. again, on the position, because for some positions, I was, I had like uh, a need to ask some technical questions that I was forwarding after to the hiring manager to make a decision. But mostly it's kind of like a 30 minutes call where uh, I'm providing some information and getting like quick understanding of the of the person motivation and that's it. Mm. So then it sounds like it's the like technical interview and the interview with the hiring manager that is actually like the decision making aspects where the phone screen is, or at least it sounds like the majority of the candidates will proceed to the next step, right? Again, it's very depends on the position. But let's say if their experience and stock of the candidate is what we're looking for, and he's explaining during the, of course, I'm asking, what is your day-to-day -day work like? And I'm trying to understand if it's something that we have in the company, if it's something that he will like. Of course, there is questions if it's we're hiring a mobile developer. For me, it's important to understand that, for example, we are hiring more who is working with UI and this person was working more like as a backend developer. So all these things for me, for sure, it's important to understand and tell, explain to, to the candidate. But yeah, like phone screen is kind of a filter that person can explain and can confirm that what's in CV he's stuck, that is something that he's working with and something that he wants to continue working with. And if he really motivate, like, motivated in the, to work with the company, it's kind of assessment that is based, unfortunately, not on the clean data, but on the on the recruiter opinion. Oh. But the main decision makers, I wouldn't agree that the phone screen is not a part of the decision making process, but HR interview is. So it's not only hiring manager and technical rounds, but also like the HR interview. Okay, we're going to start rounding off soon. But are there specific like metrics, KPIs that you think are extra relevant when it comes to like global talent sourcing and hiring? Yeah, there is. A, I was on interview not long time ago at one company where they asked me if I'm uh, standing on, uh, if I'm like, I have experience to work on KPIs. When they ask about KPIs, I said like, you're meaning about how fast I can hire. <laughs> this is the, the main KPI for all the recruiters globally, unfortunately. On my opinion, I think that the best KPI for the recruiter is after, like it can be also only measured after the hiring, how the person fit, how the person perform. So in my opinion, this is like the only, the best KPI. And like in the long term, you can say how long the person stay in the company and his manager satisfied with his work and what is his impact in the company? Because I can hire 20 people in three days. <laughs> I'm not sure that they will be a really great fit uh, <laughs> because I didn't have enough time to really 
be like inside the hiring process because hiring process it starts with the takeoff meeting with understanding but before sourcing before building the strategy it takes time to really go deep into the each job description to make research and to understand who will be the right fit so i wouldn't go like you know two months like you have two months to hire <laughs> to hire the the employee and it's like sometimes you don't need even like two months sometimes it can be like three weeks it depends on the position depends on their location but i wouldn't use it as a kpi for recruiters which kpis you're using in uh, alvalab i mean we measure a bunch of things from our um in applicant tracking system but the one that we the only one we focus on and like report back to the team and, and the management team is like the quality of hires uh, and the way that we measure that is how successful people are in the onboarding so after three and five months, the hiring manager does a super quick and dirty survey on, on the performance of that person. And that's like the reason for using the onboarding data. Because I mean, long term, I would prefer to use the actual performance data, but it shortens the feedback loop. So it becomes, in my mind, it's the sweet spot between like measuring output and like quality, but also keeping the feedback loop short enough for the recruiter to still remember the hires that they've made. So that's how we do it. So we have uh, discussed a lot on like what DNI and uh, KPIs we should include haven't landed in one that feels really great yet. So right now, quality of hiring is the one. The one for us. Great. Yeah, I'm, I like it. <laughs> I think it works, uh, works really well and I think it's, it's relevant. Okay, Katya, before we say uh, let you go uh, and let the listeners move on with their day, what would you like say to people that want to start hiring globally or improve how they're hiring globally? What's your like one takeaway or best tips that you want to share with the listeners? I would say that probably hire first a great recruiter. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Who will do good research. But I would say before entering the market, to do research, to understand the market before entering it. This is what I think my best tip. And not afraid to, to make mistakes on the way. Good one. So hire a great recruiter. If you already are that recruiter, good job. You're halfway there. <laughs> but then make your like research and then be happy with your mistakes. And I guess learn from them. I think those are great takeaways. Katya, it was an absolute pleasure having you on How We Hire. If people want to connect with you, I'm assuming you are, well, now I know that you're on Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, so they can probably find you everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But mostly on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active. Uh, There, this is one of my top social medias. Yeah. And it was really my pleasure meeting you and I'm following you for a long time already. And a lot of your employees as well. Really love the company and the spirit that you bring there. It's really a pleasure having a talk with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was all mine. Thank you. And uh, hope to talk soon. And for everyone listening, uh, tune in for another episode in two weeks. Have a nice day. Bye.